Hello and welcome to Signals from the Hill. My name's Stephen Walsh. This month we're going to be talking to Owen D. Pomery all about his new book from Avery Hill called Victory Point. It's going to be the first in a set of interviews with various creators from Avery Hill who have new books coming out this autumn. If you go to averyhillpublishing.com you can see details on all those titles. But first, here's some information on some other comics podcasts you may enjoy. Oh, we've had an email asking if we wanted to do an advert for the Avery Hill podcast. Oh, that's nice of them. Does that mean we can't swear? Yeah, pretty much. So, no words like or and definitely no. Oh, Avery Hill comics. Yeah, they're nice. Oh. We're the Awesome Comics Pod. You can find us at awesomecomics.podbean.com or on iTunes and as the Awesome Comics Podcast and buy a copy of our Awesome Comics Anthology at www.awesomecomicpod.bigcartel.com Oh, that was very professional, wasn't it? I knew that would go right. Oh, Jesus. In the monthly radio show on comics, Panel Borders, you can hear Alan Moore Sometimes you see this gradual rehabilitation of Godzilla. Sandy Toxvig. There's something about the cartoon world that, honestly, in these grim times, is rather preferable to flesh and blood sometimes. Chris Riddell. I have a draw in my studio. Um, it's the naughty draw. And many more writers and artists talking about their craft. More info at www.panelborders.wordpress.com. Need a podcast all about comics topics, reviews, and just general chit chat? Then join David Robertson, Fernando Pons, Mike Sadakat, Giuseppe Lambertino, and me, Tom Stewart, at That Comic Smell. You can find us on SoundCloud, YouTube, and iTunes, and on Twitter and Instagram at That Comic Smell. Pull up a chair and join us. And now, let's talk to Owen. Hello, Owen. Thanks for joining us. Hello. Nice to be here. So we've talked a few times uh, in life, generally. But we've, we've, uh, <laughs> we've done podcasts before uh, that sort of cover what I think of as your, your sort of earliest work and your entries into comics. And now you are, you know, an established creator. You've got a, a, a backlist and a healthy number of uh, books on the shelves. So um, we're going to focus really on your 2019 and 2020 because, you know, you've had a good, a very good 2020, but obviously 2020 hasn't been good for everyone. So let's just try and (laughs) rewind to 2019 as well, just to try and get some general uh, positivity in there for for people. That sounds like I've found some kind of way of uh, sort of bypassing the horrors of 2020, which is very much not the case. Um, But (laughs) It's it's me sort of focusing on uh, nice elements for you. (laughs) <laughs> as opposed to yeah, you living in uh, some grand uh, castle, looking down on the rest of us suffering, <laughs> <laughs> sipping a glass of port and going, yeah, it looks bad. looks bad. It looks, looks, looks pretty rough for those guys down there. <laughs> I, I mentioned to you a moment ago about my uh, Google Drive document titled Owen Pomery. And uh, the first thing I wrote, just because it sort of amused me, I was just sort of thinking about your work in general, and what I enjoy about it, you know, just thinking about general things to, to talk about as well as focusing on particular pieces. And I've, I've managed to write the title for some sort of academic thesis on your work 
I'll never actually write, but I like the title. Is that okay? Okay. Yeah, that sounds like the best version of that that could exist. So let's go so for I'm, it. Yeah. We'll, we'll role play this with me as an undergraduate, as you as, uh, as my supervising professor. And I'll tell you what the title is going to be. And then you tell me whether it's a paper that's worth me pursuing. <laughs> okay. That sounds good. Are you ready? Go for it. Yeah. Imagined places and imagined spaces, spatial conceptualization in the work of Owen D. Pomery. That's great. No one knows what that means. So, um, <laughs> that's, um, you've got the first uh, barrier cross there. I'd read that essay. I'd read, I mean, I'd, you know, as I say, given enough motivation, I'd write that essay, but, you know. Yeah, but who's got the time for that? <laughs> no, yeah, I think one of the things that does define your work, going back to, you know, between the billboards, your first sort of complete work, is this idea of... of space and, and place and people's relationship to the the places they're in and, and the space around them and obviously you know your background in architecture and, and marrying that to illustration makes that a sort of natural fit doesn't it really yeah i never sort of approach it with that as the intent but and everything i do i think when i look back at it i go oh yeah that fits that's that's that's, that's exploring <laughs> the same the same relationship of um of, it, yeah it's people and space and uh, and the feedback loop of how they influence the space and how space influences them i just find that kind of endlessly fascinating because it's sort of unresolvable <laughs> so there's like a sort of an element of mystery to it and in that little space you can there's a lot of stuff to play with. Um, yeah, yeah that's, um, that's, that's, that's very much where I'm operating, I think. And also as well, I think, just looking at your work and your, your approaches to the different pieces, although that is something that you explore in, in the different pieces, you do it in so many different ways and so many different settings and tonally in very different ways as well. So they are sort of, you know, there's if you look at, between the billboards up to Victory Point, your most recent work, it, there are correspondences, but in other ways, they're a world apart, aren't they? No, I agree. Um, like I say, because it's, that's never the intention when setting out to do the piece, they sort of tonally, yeah, are, are very sort of disparate, but like have these kind of these reference points that sort of run through. I think the sort of the sort of best example of that was when I was. When I was writing or, or working on British Ice, it was it was sort of getting me down how long it was taking and sort of plodding through. And I was like, I need to do something totally different. And I did a, a little self-published volume, which was Victory, um, Victory Motel, which was like five short stories that all happened in like a, a, a hotel, uh, a motel, sorry. And and that's, I mean. As what was supposed to be like an, an escapist piece that was like different to what I was I was doing, turned out to be like exactly the same. <laughs> was working exactly <laughs> in the same world in that like it was again about like these these little sort of relationships between people and and, and place, and the fact that I'd done each one of them completely different. So there was some that were like quite comedic, some that were quite dark, some that were more sort of thoughtful. But yet they all exist in the same world, and in that case, like the same building on the same day and and that feels like quite a good metaphor for my entire work in a way i think you could even expand it beyond that and i think one of the things that makes your work 
so successful is the fact that that appreciation of uh, space and place, I think personally, and you know, there's a million ways to create comics, but I do think a good comics creator has to be able to appreciate place and space. You know, you have the finite space of the page and that expands into multiple pages to become the comic book or book itself. But being able to appreciate that space, manipulate that space and exert control over that space and understand it does tend to lead to more interesting, compelling work. So I think that, that you know, it, it, if there is something that you, you are going to have a mastery of in terms of comics, I think you've picked uh, a good thing to key in on. It certainly feels important to me. Um, and I appreciate it's not the only way to make comics, but I am very much into the idea of creating a, a small world, and that needs to be three-dimensional in my head, even if it's not on, on the page. I, I sort of need to know what happens if I turn around and look the other way on this panel and, and what's going to be there and who's going to be there. And I hope that in the comics that I create, trying to achieve that sort of puts the reader very much in, in the world. I hope, like particularly, I feel like with the most recent one, uh, Victory Point, that that should feel like quite an immersive experience. It feels like a realised a realized play. Yeah, absolutely does. And, and as I was reading it, I had a conversation with our mutual friends, Jack, where Jack had mentioned talking to you. I, I, I'm not sure what the, the, the general topic was, but uh, you'd end up, you ended up in a conversation about the sort of danger of starting a story by drawing a map, sort of creating, literally creating the world in terms of here are the boundaries, here, are, here is where everything is, and then expecting the story to spring from that rather than creating the world and letting it grow and, and breathe to what it needs to become, and then sort of traversing that space. Yeah, I don't, I don't remember that conversation, but it's, I mean, we've had a lot of conversations, so. <laughs> it could just be Jack uh, quoting you to try and make a point more compelling. He knows, he knows you're an influence on me, I mean, he knows I'll be exactly. swayed. Exactly, you like, like to uh, cite his references and um, put a bit more weight into his argument, I suppose. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, that certainly sounds like um, something I would uh, talk about and, and, and say, like, it's, it's, it's the difference between being given you know like when you um, print out a route or something off Google and it just gives you a set of directions and it's like turn left onto this road and, and, and whatever and if you're just working from those or like a description of like how to get from A to B you sort of miss all the stuff along the way whereas if someone gives you like a sort of comprehensive understanding of the area you can sort of go, oh, I can drift off this way and that feeds into it. And wouldn't it be interesting if we looked over here? And it, it, it's, a, it's the entire picture as opposed to a sort of, uh, sort of blinkered route through. I, I do think uh, another thing that sort of is complementary, because obviously, you know, I think anyone who looks at your work and you're particularly good, I think, at uh, sharing work in progress and... Uh, your projects as you're as you're putting them together uh, so people can get very excited by images that just tend to spring up on your your social media feeds um, and obviously you have I think as a strong visual aesthetic a great appreciation of the importance of, of design and, and balance but 
But I think the thing that I, I particularly enjoy about your work is that there is a genuine curiosity about the lives of the characters and the inner lives of the characters and how they're sort of thinking and feeling rather than just having them populate in the space. The stories are very much focused on their actual, not only their place in the world in a physical sense, but how they're feeling about their place in the world as well. Well, it's very kind of you to say, but, um, um, and I very much appreciate it, but it, yeah, it is definitely something that, I, that is important to me. Like, it's, I find it very hard to draw any character without my mind mentally sort of exploring who they are and, and why they're there. And it's why I struggled to work in short form, even though I try to quite frequently. I have to really sort of stop myself from going, oh no, this is, a, this is bigger. Like we, we find out where they've come from and where they're going. And as opposed to this is a little vignette into an important moment in their life. I sort of can't help myself. And that happens even for like drawing background characters in a panel. I'm like, oh, they're probably this kind of person and they, you know, come from here afterwards. So, so they've said they'll probably be carrying that and they're doing it. Like it's, it's a very real world to me when I'm building it. And so, yeah, the people that are there are very real to me as well. And I, I even find it in my illustration work when you're just doing like a single image for, for something. I can't help but wonder, in my mind, like when the image unfreezes and everyone carries on walking in their <laughs> direction, like where, they're, like where they're heading and who they are and stuff, because everyone's got their own kind of little story going on. And if you get even a fraction of that from the single representation I've done of that person, and I, I hope it's worked in some way. I think with Victory Point in particular, one of the words I would I would use to describe the feel of it as a as a piece and the feel that it sort of engenders within the reader or it's only it's Middle East is is a feeling of of, of warmth. Uh, physically in the sense of the fact that, you know, it's set in this place that sort of when when we see it is mostly sort of like bathed in sunlight and very bright it's clearly you know a a warm time of year and a, a warm day but there's uh, a, a real warmth in the characters as well and it feels like you know there is obviously differing levels of affection between them but like there's clearly affection between the people and it feels like there's you know your own affection for the characters has sort of uh, seeped into it as well it seems like a a place and a story that you've really enjoyed telling and you, you seem to take great relish in, in, in presenting it. Yeah, definitely. Um, I wrote it quite a few years ago and it, so the earlier drafts of it were sort of harsher and it wasn't working for that reason really. Like the character of Ellen was kind of, was kind of a bit cooler and a bit more caustic and she was sort of much more sort of, eye rolling at her sort of rural upbringing and was sort of like, oh, why am I back here kind of thing. But that sort of presented no sort of conflict in that like, yeah, okay, cool. You don't like it, stay in, stay in the city. <laughs> like, um, <laughs> but, but the sort of key to it is her sort of not quite connecting with it, but not sort of hating it. And, and, and the key to that was sort of making the characters that exist in that world. Yeah. Um, sort of relatable and affectionate and and just because they're not quite on the same sort of path as her doesn't mean to say they're awful people or, or whatever and 
when I kind of got that angle right, it, it made a lot more sort of sense. And I didn't want it to be a sort of a sort of clash of worlds. Um, I wanted it to be more kind of gentle, sort of you know, a, a gentle alternate reality presented, I suppose. I think it's it's really interesting because obviously uh, the sort of not standard but uh, uh, a very traditional way to tell a similar sort of story is to do it as a sort of fish out of water. So Ellen would be the the sort of the girl from the rural background who goes to the city and doesn't quite navigate that right, or she gets so used to living in the city that when she goes home, she can't navigate that anymore. And instead. Uh, it's this really interesting thing where she's living in the city and there's certain things she enjoys and certain things she doesn't enjoy. And she goes home and there's certain things she's really happy to see and certain things she's less happy to see, like anyone yeah. would in that same situation. And I think, yeah. you know, uh, in a lot of lesser stories, you end up with, uh, as you say, something that's a lot harsher to try and enhance the drama. But then it gets a bit soapy almost, doesn't it? Where you sort of like, you know, yeah. oh, you're trying to generate some conflict here, but realistically, you know, uh, there's the, the moment where she sees some friends from school and they mention everyone going for a drink, and she's like, oh god, no. She thinks it rather than sort of like being that yeah. same. And like, yeah, that would be what most people think in it. Like, not oh no, these people are terrible, horrible. But also, <laughs> just like I'm only here for a couple of days. I can't sort of. You know I mean, it's, a, yeah. it's an interesting thing. There's a very sort of natural reaction and as i say i think in a, a lesser version of the story uh, 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 as you, you yourself described like an eye-rolling disdainful ellen is a less interesting character for us to be interested in the life of i think so um i do think yeah the the, the balance there of being sort of drawn into and repelled from the two sort of worlds that you, you tend to travel between it's something that I think a lot of people can, can really sort of see themselves in, I think. I think so, yeah. I also think there's probably a sort of personal element to it as well in that I feel less sort of abrasive <laughs> and more sort of grey um, physically <laughs> and, and, and mentally these days in that I'm not as sort of extreme in my view, not that I ever was, but, but if you know, what I, do you know what I mean? Like you sort of have a more sort of mellowing and like, oh yeah, it's okay for people live in different ways and, and so forth. And it, like, if you think of, yeah, like Billboard's my first work, it's quite an extreme, quite sort of teenage way of thought, which was like a sort of extreme version of like a younger version of myself, I suppose, where he is like a very uncompromising character and 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 obviously it's not promoting that it's showing <laughs> what a, quite quite a poisonous way to live and an alienate but um yeah i certainly that the time i wrote victory point there's a sort of a mellowing of my sort of thoughts or a muddling of my thoughts maybe <laughs> yeah it's definitely as as, as, a, as you say if you compare it to between the billboards it's huge uh, contrast there, you know, and you know the the two uh, protagonists are a great example of that. Where Ellen just seems much more comfortable in her own skin and happier and, and, and contented. And I think that's interesting that you sort of say, you know, it's a natural sort of uh, maturation process that everyone goes through, isn't it? You are 
when you're younger, you are a bit more, and it, it, it's hard to sort of uh, say it without sounding like uh, we we're all maniacs when we were 25, but you know, less volatile, <laughs> less abrasive. You do just mellow of age. You do just sort of come to terms with yourself. And in doing so, I think you come to terms a bit more with people around you. You sort of understand that people aren't trying to get on your nerves. They're just trying to get on with their day most of the time. Yeah, totally. And those things that you sort of carried and or held sort of very sort of um, sort of vehemently from like when you're first putting your stall out as a teenager and yeah, like you say, into your early early twenties, you sort of stop and go, why was I carrying that around? Like, why was why was I why did I keep repeating that sort of that mantra to myself that like, this was important, and whatever? And yeah, you just kind of see a bit more and and, and realise that everyone is flawed and everyone's sort of uh, for the most part trying to do their best and 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 sort of sort of get by and it was yeah victory point was definitely trying to be more sympathetic to humans <laughs> I suppose. Yeah. just in terms of um, your work over the last sort of year or so i was just thinking about the different approaches there and particularly the uh, approaches to storytelling. And I was looking at sort of British ice, which to me feels much more plot-driven than, than Victory Point, if that makes sense. It's much more of a story in the sense of these events happen uh, yeah. in a very particular way to a very particular purpose. And then, obviously, uh, we have uh, Kiosk as well, which is um, a tremendous work, something I, I really loved. It sort of took me by surprise because I wasn't quite sure uh, what to expect from it. But, but there, the sort of storytelling, I think, again, in my notes, I think I had it down as sort of fragmentary, but I'm thinking more, it's more prismatic, isn't it? In the sense of like each part, each page, each sort of entry in that book tells us a little bit more about the things that are happening um, in the background. And then with Victory Point, it feels to me quite a sort of impressionistic piece in the sense of there is definitely a story, but I wouldn't call it a sort of, there's not a plot to it. It feels much more like there's this this character who, rather than having very sort of definite encounters with people, she's sort of brushing against people and taking little things from a lot of different places to evoke these these feelings uh, that she has. And one of the things I loved about it, and this isn't really a spoiler, but it never really felt like there was a, and again, I think in a lesser story, Ellen would be expected to have some sort of eureka moment or sort of visionary scene where suddenly the answer opens up for her. And it doesn't really, does it? But like, it makes right. sense that it doesn't because again, that isn't how life works in that way. I, I agree. I think it sort of part of its uh, inception comes from from that the, the sort of disconnect between a lot of narratives that you see and philosophies as well, which sort of suggest that once you get to this point, you, you've got it sorted. And the disconnect that I felt between that and my own experiences, which were there isn't. Well, I don't think anyone feels this unless they do and they're very lucky <laughs> but like <laughs> there isn't that sort of leveling up eureka moment that you talk of it's it's just a kind of transition and i think it is any trick it's kind of getting or becoming comfortable with the idea that that is the case 
like it's quite well documented in real life that anyone who sort of achieves the sort of golden goose or whatever goes oh it's not as good as you think it is or it's just another hill to climb or whatever yet still the sort of social narratives suggest that it is just over that hill even though the ones that have been there keep reporting back and saying no it's not it's not great <laughs> like, <laughs> like um you know the old sort of mantra of like being you know rich and famous doesn't make you any happier i mean these are all truisms for a reason like it has to come from within yourself and yeah as i say i think your best bet is to just kind of get better at accepting that sort of slightly sort of bumbling journey that we're all going along and going okay i'm okay at the moment like i'm happy doing what i'm doing now and that feels like yeah less you can hope for (laughs) yeah i think there's real sort of strength and power in rejecting that sort of Darwinian idea of society and life as this ongoing struggle to conquer and accumulate and eventually just sort of go, oh, do you know what? There's some good in my life, some bad in my life, but I'm, I'm, doing, I'm doing okay. And I, it feels to me, like reading Victory Point, it sort of really sort of brought home to me how few stories like that, which again, is going to be, you know, a mirror on the culture around us that, people don't think to tell those stories uh, or maybe there isn't a market scene for those stories because well, I, t- I, t- I totally get it I, I totally get why there's not a market because I'm I I also want to believe <laughs> that there is a kind of you know a happy ending and I've grown up watching all the same films that everyone else had and sort of like we want to narrativize our lives and believe there's an end point or a success or whatever but to sort of hold that so strongly means you're only prepped for, for disappointment when you turn the corner and go, oh yeah, no, it wasn't, you know. You know, the, the things that I've, the meager achievements that I've made in my life, like, <laughs> like, like if you had told me I was going to achieve them when I was younger, I'd be, you know, so excited. But like, when I actually come along, you sort of go, oh yeah, yeah, I mean, it was, it's cool, but like, <laughs> you know, um, Becoming more content with your own discontent is um, is, is what I'm aiming for. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> Which is, uh, you know, uh, broadly in society right now, that's a great philosophy for people to embrace. It is a real. <laughs> if people can get on board with that, there's there's a real uh, value to it. One of the things that surprised me, I think, upon seeing Victory Point in the flesh for the first time was the the size of the book, the form, the format. But right. again, I I loved it. I found it. This is going to probably sound odd, but I found the slightly smaller hardback added to the intimacy of the story. If that makes sense. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. 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 So I found the format really made me appreciate your use of space that I talked about earlier even more. Like the balance between the smaller intimate moments and the more expansive sort of landscape scenes really played well for me on that size of page. Well, that's very, um, that's very kind of good to say. Um, it, it, the, the format of it was very sort of deliberate and almost existed before I'd worked out the illustration style, strangely. Like that, 
it's not a, a wildly strange format, but it's it's portrait, but then the, you know, the, the collection of panels is presented as a square in the center. So it sort of almost looks kind of widescreenish, I suppose. And yeah, it was, it was very deliberate in that it, it, it needed that kind of that white space around it to kind of focus you into those those kind of vistas that that take you through the town and, and, and the countryside. Yeah, I found the sequence that really brought that home for me, I think, is the bit where Ellen's walking down towards the cove and the, the, the path's closed. Oh, yeah. Uh, and as, as I say, so much of the story is sort of bathed in this warm sunlight. And then suddenly she's in this sort of, there's like an overcrop of trees around her and she's in shadow and it's this sort of perilous, narrow path. Yeah. And then yeah. it sort of opens up into this beautiful, idyllic cove that obviously, you know, we, we know means so much to her in terms of her childhood and life. And like that wonderful image where she's uh, lying in the sea floating and you can sort of see a shadow and it's, yeah, just a remarkable uh, image of sort of peace and, and contentment that, as I say, feels so much more satisfying because she's kind of battled uh, through the shadows to, to get down there. Oh, thanks. Yeah, I mean, after we talked about the stakes in the book are not particularly high, um, <laughs> so, but it's nice <laughs> to sort of create those little moments of transition because it's a little, you know, the whole book is like a little journey it's a, a, a mental and physical one so I, I, it's nice to be able to kind of reflect her thought process in the in the landscape as, as she moves through it i just wondered as well just to, to go back to kiosk for yeah. a second is it sold out now it is yeah i'm not it entirely is. sure I, I did i did a second print run of it and that yeah. also sold out um i'm currently debating whether to do another one or whether <laughs> or whether it needs to now exist digitally or, or whether it's it's um or, or maybe it just needs to be left i don't know <laughs> yeah so for me it was a remarkable piece where essentially the history and culture and social uh structure of a country is told through design choices would that be a, a fair assessment of the yeah that's that's, that's pretty much it. Yeah, and and uh, as I think, I think I uh, when I first sort of saw images from the book and read about it vaguely, I assumed it was it was essentially an exercise in illustration from your, from your point of view. You know, like um, you'll get people who will go to Japan and just take photographs of like pinball machines, or they go to like Rio de Janeiro. And just take pictures of yeah. vending machines. It's, it's this idea of like, oh, here are examples of these types of things. But uh, and then I realised, oh no, it's a more designy thing. But then it had this whole narrative thing that I just didn't anticipate at all. And I just wondered how how deliberate that was for you. As I say, between because uh, 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 have I got the timeline right? Was it sort of British Ice Kiosk Victory Point? Would that be? Um, yeah, pretty much. Is there a, probably more overlap than that. It's probably not as neat and tidy. I, I wrote this. I wrote the first draft scripts for um, British Ice and Victory Point. Weirdly, like at the same time, like um, almost sort of parallel. And then Kiosk basically did start as as a project 
that you thought it <laughs> that, you thought it might, <laughs> that you thought it might have been in that I was kind of interested in little design pieces and architecture and illustration and so forth and it was a sort of an exercise in that but in the same way that um, I was talking about earlier where I can't help but speculate on the lives of people that I'm drawing or, or places um, the same thing happened with these kiosks that in as I was designing them I was kind of working out why they were designed that way like who would have done that and what would they what would have been their intent when they were trying to design that and and in doing that like what problems were they encountered or what policy were they trying to promote by designing something in a certain way so that became quite interesting to me and I realized I was writing in my head little stories behind the existence of each one of the kiosks as I did them and then that they fed into a greater narrative of the country and then I thought well it's this this is mad that this just exists in me and I'm going to present them just as images so let's let's talk <laughs> let's talk about them but I so <laughs> I wrote it in a way that the narrator who is a, a version of me um, is trying to explain about the kiosks but kind of gets sort of derailed and distracted by explaining the history, context, and, and politics of, of how that, of the situation those kiosks came to exist in. And each kiosk you go to adds a little bit more to that picture without overtly saying it. It's sort of like writing in like negative space. So you're, you're telling one story, which is about a set of kiosks, but in, this, in the impression that's left, is the story of this kind of emergent post-colonial nation and the problems that it faces and and all those kind of things so you're sort of smuggling a second narrative through what seems like quite a, a bland guidebook on on kiosk design <laughs> <laughs> yes i found it sort of fascinating just as such a distinct narrative device set against british eyes and victory place which you know has characters and uh, dialogue <laughs> but um, yeah. I just wondered how it because as I say in my I think in my mind I had the timeline like British Ice Kiosk Victory Point and I wondered if it was like a sort of a way to sort of refresh yourself between the two projects but what what you're saying and what makes more sense is the fact that of course all these things are constantly entangled and enmeshed in your creative life aren't they it's not a thing of compartmentalize this project finish, compartmentalise this project, finish, you know, it's a constant swirl of, of ideas, isn't it? That's the sort of the power of them. Completely, yeah. And certainly if you're leaning in one direction for a little while, the draw to swing hard back the other way kind of kicks in. As I said earlier, like when I was sort of bogged down in completing British Ice, I kind of needed a break and did the short form collection of, of Victory Hotel. And similarly sort of Kiosk, that was coming just coming out of British Ice, I think. It was just like, I need to do something that's sort of different and doesn't exist in this world. I've got a lot of projects bouncing around in my head at any given time. <laughs> and you sort of have to listen to the one that is saying, oh, now, now it's time for this one. Yeah, it's often in a reaction to what I've been doing currently or, or, or working on at that, that moment. And another interesting thing I think about Victory Point is, as, as I say, I've, I've spoken about your you know the fact that it's bathed in sunshine and uh, a really compelling character study and your use of space and these are all things i think that make it uh you know it's it's been uh, incredibly i'm sure you've seen 
the response from people online. It's been incredibly well received. And I do think it's kind of the book we needed at this point, just in terms of what everyone's gone through in terms of not necessarily being able to navigate spaces the way they'd like to have done for the last few months. Obviously, as you say, when you're plotting this, when you're making this, none of these things are on the horizon. But it does seem to have landed at the most opportune time for, for people to really uh, appreciate the, the elements that you've put into it, I think. Yeah, I wasn't. I wasn't planning on releasing it during a pandemic. That, that was not. That was not. It's not <laughs> in not, the market plan, is it? No, not really. No, I wasn't even planning to have it like released the same year as as British Eyes. Like, but the last book that came out was that was um, with a publisher was, was was between the billboards. So that was two thousand and fifteen. So I didn't. I didn't wait five years and think I'll just chuck out three books during a global pandemic. <laughs> um, but you're right in that there has been some sort of strange, certainly as an author, um, watching people uh, engage with it. There's definitely been some, some positives. And I think it has provided some sort of escapism for people. And it, it came you know, um, available sort of during the summer in which people couldn't go out and be part of the summer. It also is quite a reflective book generally, and I think a lot of people have been reflecting on their life and, and, and where they're going with it and where they've come from because they've been afforded this moment of reflection. So it's been really gratifying to see people responding to it and, and sort of taking a lot more from it than I, I sort of thought that they might. Like some of the sort of things people have said have been so sort of articulate and and it's really, really gratifying to see it resonate with people on, on that level. So I certainly wouldn't wish this situation <laughs> on anyone. But um, but uh, yeah, as a positive side effect, it, it, it means, and I, and I can't discredit my work with this. Like um, I feel like sort of narratives and uh, and stories are, are what's keeping everyone sane right now. I certainly know that I've been needing so much more in this time as a sort of way to uh, experience other things that I can't experience personally. Yeah, and I do think, you know, the the sort of, the, the setting and tone of, of Victory Point, you know, one of the things I definitely experienced reading it and reading it at a time when you can't travel and you can't sort of go to places was this idea of uh, having this experience of, of like visiting a new place discovering a new space and, and and as I say those panels and flash pages you have where it does open up and there's this beautiful landscape or, or skyline uh, in front of us was very sort of comforting I think in a way that it possibly wouldn't have been if it had come out at a time when people were uh, traveling freely so I think it is there's a, there's a great deal of uh, comfort for people uh, in in the book as well, which is uh, lovely. Oh, great! I'm, I'm glad you feel that, and um, yeah, it seems that other people are as well. So yeah, it's a, it's a happy coincidence. <laughs> <laughs> Owen, thank you so much for joining us. No problem at all. Um, I, as I say, I have no plans. Um, it's, it's the benefit <laughs> of another benefit of these times, Steve. Um, <laughs> Uh, I'm sure we'll talk again in the 
uh, near future. Absolutely. Yeah, it'd be a pleasure. Lovely. Take care. You too. Thanks again to Owen for talking to us, and thank you for listening. See you next month. This show is a Holdfast Network production. Go to holdfastnetwork.com for other programs you may enjoy.